the 415 Podcast. I'm not injured at least. Nine or Nate here with you again. You know, sometimes you think it can't get worse and it does. But at the same time, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's things we can talk about to make us feel better. But man, what a horrible football game to watch despite the win. Uh, with me this week is Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area. How are you? You know, I am hanging in there as best as possible under the circumstances. You're not injured, right? Uh, not that I know of. So Okay, not we're not okay. injured. We're the only people <laughs> not injured that have to do with the 49ers, it seems like. Because everyone else is. Let's get into a quick NFC West check-in before we start talking about the 49ers. And the Seahawks pulled off their Seahawks BS last night and somehow found a way to win against the New England Patriots 35-30 to because for some reason Bill Belichick decided, eh, I don't need 40 seconds extra to play uh, with Cam Newton when I this team literally can't stop him. So Seattle's 2-0 going into week three. The LA Rams... I think they kind of helped us out a little bit because we got to see that the Eagles actually do suck. They won 37 to 19 over the Eagles and Carson Wentz just looks awful. Uh, it'd be great if we had a player who could just kill him uh, just on, on a defensive line or something like that. You know, I don't know. Like the guy, I don't who know if you have any of those left. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then uh, finally in the NFC West, we have the Washington football team lost to Arizona I just wanted to say Washington football team because I think it's so funny. Uh, 30 to 15. And Kyler Murray really looks like an MVP. And it looks like last week wasn't a fluke uh, for Kyler Murray. He is really having a hell of a season. And that playing that team again is going to be maybe a battle if injuries continue. But uh, we'll see. If the injuries get better, then I think they can beat this Arizona team. And I definitely think Seattle's beatable. And I think the Rams are beatable. I think things aren't as bad in Ninerland as we want to say they are. There is no team in the NFC what, NFC at all who is unbeatable. Not one of these teams is unbeatable. San Francisco could beat any of these teams if they get healthy at the right time. You're going into a stretch where you're going to play three teams with a combined record of 0-6 who are all terrible. They are There's literally no redeeming factors about the New York Giants without Saquon Barkley. There's nothing to look forward to. Daniel Jones had negative fantasy points going into the fourth quarter. Like, Daniel Jones isn't going to beat you, even without Nick Bosa. The Eagles are terrible. They can't, they can't seem to protect Carson Wentz at all. And, and Carson Wentz is running for his life every single play. Even without Nick Bosa, he'd be running for his life. And the Miami Dolphins, they have nothing. They Nothing. It's still wide open for the next three weeks. If they can hold on and no more injuries... There's totally a chance that this team is 4-1 and one going into a Rams game that is totally winnable with their quarterback and with their tight end. Yes or no, Jennifer? I mean, there's a movie made about it. It's called Every Any Given Sunday. So, I mean, it is always possible. You never know. I like your positive take. <laughs> I, well, I saw you looking at me and I was like, ah, I, I, I just feel like there's totally a chance for this team and the hype train can keep on rolling for one more week despite... One of the worst injury games I've ever watched in my entire life. There's totally chances for this team to be better. Jimmy Garoppolo was awesome. Absolutely awesome. And then he got hurt. But before that, he was awesome. He was throwing balls like we thought he would be. Like what you were saying, he was at, at training camp this year. What did you see from Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you trust him after this week? Yes, it's only one week. And yes, it's the Jets. But you saw things, I, you had to have saw it, right? 
Well, what's amazing is that he got injured in the fourth, what it like in very, very early 11 minutes left in the first quarter. He played his best after he was injured. He was much more accurate. He got passes in front of receivers. He saw where they were going. He trusted his receivers more. I don't know whether it's this thing. And I, I actually asked Kyle Shanahan about this in the press conference today. Jimmy Garoppolo plays better after he's hurt. How does that happen? And there's something about it. <laughs> and Kyle Shanahan joked, he's like, yeah, we joked with him that we'll hit him with a baseball bat if that helps him out. And there's something about once he gets like kind of, you know, the snot knocked out of him that he plays better. He had a near perfect rating at the end of the half before he was, you know, went to the locker room early. And I think part of that is not having a preseason. They didn't have time to get the receivers and quarterbacks in sync with each other. That's something that happens during the preseason. Yes, I understand that they needed to do that. They thought they needed to do that to kind of get rid of those, everybody seeing each other and reducing the germ contact. But really those preseason games, even though I know players like Richard Sherman say that they are unnecessary for veterans, they're working with new people. Every season they're working with new people. They have to get their timing together, and that's what the preseason's for. They play a quarter. They play a series. It eases them into real game-time action, which is really different than scrimmages against each other. So that's valuable time that was lost this year. And the thing is, I, what I wanted to tell people last week in, in my 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 what is becoming an adventure and to just stay positive throughout this season is it's one game, Jimmy Garoppolo will be better. And he came out and he was better. And I think, like, there was never a time on Sunday, and yes, it's the Jets, that Jimmy Garoppolo was the problem on this team. He was the biggest bright spot I think they had. And I think that bodes well for what happens now when you get to the gauntlet that is the Rams, the Patriots, the Saints, the Packers, and the Seahawks. That gauntlet that is coming, that we know is coming, we will have our quarterback back hopefully for that. Well, one thing they did say today that there is an outside chance that he could even play Sunday. So it's a high ankle sprain. I spoke to one of the doctors uh, in an interview with NBC Sports Bay Area and the the high ankle sprain, it depends on the severity. So there is a tendon that wraps around and keeps the bones together. If that separation happens, then it could be four to six weeks. But they're saying it's not that severe, even though he did leave the game early. There really was no reason to leave him out there, though. You don't need to risk any further injury. But because of the lack of severity of his injury, he could play on Sunday. If they want to be safe, they can have Nick Mullen start on Sunday and then have him back in week four. So thankfully for Jimmy Garoppolo and the team, it doesn't look as severe. So he could be back way sooner than it looked like it was going to be when he left the game early on Sunday. And I, I think that's huge, but at the same time, I don't even think you need a Jimmy Garoppolo against this this Giants team that they have coming up, especially without Saquon. And not only that, but this turf, like, I don't know if you saw it. It seemed like the turf was a big deal. I don't, I don't know because last week the Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't seem to have the same problem, but it, the turf was something that Shanahan focused a lot on this week in, in the press conference after the game. What did you see with this turf? Do you think it's a problem? Uh, I think Trent Williams kind of expressed it the best. He said, anytime it's new turf, it's a little fluffy, it's a little sticky, a little spongy. So he likes it better after it's kind of worn down, worn in a little bit, kind of like a, a new pair of shoes. They're not comfortable when you first put them on. So that same thing, it's the second game. Yes, no, there weren't as many injuries last week for the Giants when they played there. But also you had to look at it. Okay, that was their first game. I think still without the preseason, I think guys took it, 
yes, it was their first week, but I think they took it a little easier. I think week two, for some reason, there weren't as many injuries in week one. Guys, after having that one game under their belt, I think put more into it. And then you've got the injuries. So that's kind of my thought on what could have happened. But a lot of players did say it was a little sticky. It hadn't kind of been matted down at all. Um, It was a little spongy is how Fred Warner described it. But Trent Williams said it's kind of one of those things where once it breaks down, breaks in a little bit, it's, it's better. That's how he likes to play in it. So that's kind of the way they always are. So they just kind of have to adjust and, and work with it. Well, and, that, and that the scary thing is, is like, I think a lot of Niner fans are really afraid of right now is that, that they play on the surf again and we know what happened the first time. And so the question comes down to is, well, because I don't think you have to, should you even risk Jimmy Garoppolo next week? I don't, I think you give Nick Mullins the start. Yeah, I don't think there's any need to risk him. I mean, they could also put him in for a couple series, and if it seems to be going fine, then they pull him early. So there is that option as well. So, I mean, they don't have to leave him out there the whole game. I think even if they he didn't get injured against the, the Jets in Week 2, they probably would have pulled him at some point. They pulled a lot of their defensive starters. They put a yeah. lot of, a lot of their guys, period. So I think they're going to play it safe no matter what, especially with all the injuries that they've gone through on both sides of the ball. And that's the thing is that the garbage time touchdown was because they pulled all their guys. Like nobody out there was a starter, I think, for Ake- except for Akello. And I think they just want to get him more reps because he's, you know, once Richard's back, he's gone again, I think. And I think they know that. And that's why. And then, you know, that Jets team's so bad. I just like watching that game that I think it was, I think it was third and 21 and they got 50 yards on them. Like it was obvious that that Jets team was bad. And there was just no point for any of the starters to be out by the start of the fourth quarter, I think, after the injury problem they had. But to lose Bosa on a game that, like, I mean, it was 14-3, to and it probably could have been over. Like, that's the thing is, like, that Jets team was not going to score 14 points on those Niners. It was never going to happen. And I think that they're going to get to a point in that New York Giants game this week where Daniel Jones is not going to beat the Niners' defense. And, yes, the Niners' defense is depleted a little bit, but they're still one of the better defenses in the NFC, I think, even without Nick Bosa. I think you're right. I think Kerry Hyder has done a great job. I think Kevin Givens has a lot of experience from being on the practice squad and playing some snaps. And then they also signed officially Ziggy Ansah this week. So they're hoping to have him out there on Wednesday to participate in practice as long as he passes his COVID testing. But, you know, the priority was to get him out there now with both Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa out for the season. And we can only hope he's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) I can see Rob rolling his eyes somewhere right now. (laughs) Um, But that's the thing is, is, you know, I think that they've, there's enough guys out there for them to bolster the defensive line, which is, you know, where they're the weakest right now. Sherman's going to come back. The defense is still really good. The offense is going to get more healthy as time goes on. I think they might have something in this Brandon Ayuk kid. I don't know. You came up on the show, like the second week of the show, and you said, everyone's talking about him. And there were some plays, like, sure, he didn't have a ton of yards, but Ayuk came in and, and he looked like a stud. Like, I felt like they needed to use him more. I think he will be used more. He actually was in there for quite a few snaps. I think he was in there for 44 snaps uh, of the offense, which is 70-something percent. He was only in there one less snap than Kendrick Bourne, which is saying a lot for a rookie because Kendrick Bourne has a ton of experience. And you see Brandon Ayuk having almost as many snaps as him. Those two had the top snaps 
on the offense for wide receivers. So they obviously trusted him. And the one catch they had where he had a ton of yards after contact or yards after catch, I mean, it shows that that's why they wanted him. And that's kind of the same mentality that all those guys have. It's kind of what they're building for the offense. George Kittle has it. Debo Samuel has it. And I think he's going to be a huge part of the offense going forward. And, 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 People forget too. Jordan Reed was the was the number one tight end this week, and he was awesome. So this the thing is like, yes, Kittle's going to come back, and he's still the best tight end in the league. But then now you have this guy Jordan Reed, who hopefully he can stay healthy, is is awesome as well. And then we still got to we got to see Jet McKinnon again this week, just go off. Like there are some really great bright spots on this offense, and they don't even have everybody back yet. You know, on, on all those guys you just mentioned have such great stories. You look at Jordan Reed, who's been out of football for so long. I mean, this team is full of them. You've got Jarek McKinnon, who's been out for over, you know, over two years. Trent Williams, who's been out for more than a year. I mean, these guys, I think part of the, what makes their locker room so special is that it's guys that have missed the game because of injury and they come back and they just want it even more. So I think, you know, like you're saying, there are bright spots and Jordan Reed's performance was definitely one of them. Yeah, absolutely. He was, I mean, he had two touchdowns and the first touchdown, he he literally jumped over the man and just, and just went for the end zone and got it. Like it was awesome to see because, you know, like you hear about, oh, if he gets a concussion, he's done. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care. He's going to go out there and he's going to ball. And I think that's what Niner fans want to see. And, you know, we didn't see a lot of Muhammad Sanu, but like at the same time, like you saw the video on the sideline of Son Sanu. I, I say his name wrong every time. Mohamed Sanu and Kendrick Bourne like sitting there talking and he's giving him pointers and stuff like having a veteran presence is kind of like Emmanuel Sanders was and I think I think that if Ayuk can continue to grow as the season goes on I think they could potentially have a better offense this year than they did last year you know and I asked Ayuk about Sanu and his leadership and he had only been there since Friday and he's just said he's trying to soak up everything he can from Sanu he's been a great leader a great teacher already and I made that reference that he could be just like Emmanuel Sanders was last year and you look at the production from Debo Samuel one Emmanuel Sanders landed in Santa Clara and it went through the roof. I mean, like really it was the second part of the season where Debo Samuel started to shine and it was after Emmanuel Sanders got there. You know, Muhammad Sanu could be the same type of role model for Kendrick Bourne and for Brandon Ayuk. So I think, you know, Shanahan understands that mentality and kind of having the coach in the group along with the coaches. And I can only help your young guys get better. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is, is it feels like, yes, they're young, but they're still, I mean, Shanahan's still one of the best coaches in the league. I mean, yeah, he, he oh, the first week was a little rough, but it, I mean, this week he was, he was running on all cylinders. I mean, yeah, it's the Jets, but that was, it was definitely a Kyle Shanahan run game. The first play from scrimmage was an 80 yard run to Raheem Moser. He was just gone, never even touched. And so that's the thing is the talents there, they need to get healthy. And I think that this is still one of the better offenses. The problem is, and this is the, N- the NFC West I think this is where the best teams are in the entire NFC. I don't think if you're looking at the NFC and you're looking at the teams that are there, you know, like the division winners right now, probably like, I know it's two weeks in, it's stupid, but Green Bay, New Orleans, and Dallas, right? I think the Arizona Cardinals, the LA Rams, and the Seattle Seahawks are better than all three of those teams. The Seahawks look really good as much as no one that is a Niners fan wants to admit it. They do. Their their offense is they're letting Russ cook, and while the defense for the Seahawks looks terrible, it doesn't matter when the guy's scoring five touchdowns a game. And so the thing, the biggest thing for Niners, the Niners, I think, is going to be: can you split 
with the Arizona Cardinals now that you've lost to them once? Can you split with the Rams? Can you split with the Seahawks? Because if you could do that, I think this the NFC West is totally, totally not lost yet. The sky is not falling. I think it's going to be a challenge for sure. I think losing Nick Bosa is one of the biggest pieces, and it's the most challenging thing that they're going to have to replace. The defensive line is good, but those two season-ending injuries is, are going to be really hard to come back from. And then also uh, injuries that we didn't talk about yet. D Ford was having neck spasms. That's it turned, yeah, it turned into back issues. So you know. It looked the defensive line looked amazing at you know through training camp. You've got Nick Bosa on one side, D Ford on the other, and now without both of them, possibly. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with D. They're doing more testing on him, but you know, for him to go from neck spasms to a back issue could be something where he's out for more than just this week. So uh, that's kind of to be seen. But it it's going to be a challenge for sure. But there are ways that they could pull out some wins in the that tough stretch coming up talking about d ford do you think and i hate talking about this but do you think the d ford trade is kind of like a lost cause at this point i mean the guy played what eight nine games last year and he played for the playoffs yes but you know here we are two games in the season and you know we we, we he was non-existent in the first game and then he didn't play at all this week i mean like how many more games are we really going to get from d ford and are that you, you think they'll probably maybe look at a way of cutting him next year because, I mean, it, it just hasn't really worked out. I mean, you have a second-round pick for this guy, you expect, and you paid him a lot of money. You lost to Forrest Buckner because you paid him. I mean, yes and no. I, I think that for how much they paid him and what money's already gone out and what money goes dead, what if they do kind of – I don't think they do. I, You know, and you can't blame the Niners. When you look at the season he had before he signed with the Niners, I mean, he played over a 1,000 snaps. He was ridiculous. So – you can't blame the Niners for giving him a ton of money and trying to get them on their team because on their roster, because he was a force to be reckoned with. I mean, you look at his resume and it was amazing. So it's unfortunate that he's had to deal with so many injuries, but I don't think they just, you know, throw him to the side. I think it's too much money and too much cost for them not to keep him and try to get some productivity out of him. So we, we mentioned that like they brought in Ziggy Ansa, and the thing is, is like, that's where probably where they're going to need to bolster as much. Cause yeah, Solomon Thomas wasn't this phenomenal player, but he's still depth. Do you think they bring in like a Cameron wake or uh, you know, a clay Matthews or anything like that? Have you heard anything? I haven't, but I know that, you know, losing two guys for the season is going to put other, you know, getting depth on the defensive lineup. It's going to make it a priority. So I wouldn't say it's out of the question. You saw how fast the Ziggy on thing ended up getting done once they kind of knew that that's where they were headed. So while they couldn't work out a deal before, it ends up being something that they need to prioritize so they do get it done. So, I mean, they're going to do what they have to do. To keep I mean, they up. got the Mohamed Sanu, Sanu, I said it wrong. <laughs> Mohamed Sanu thing done like right away. Like we reported, he'll be, a, he'll be a niner on this podcast. And this podcast went up at like uh, 12 o'clock on Tuesday. And by like five o'clock, he was signed. And I was like, look at me, I knew. And it was just like, it was too obvious not to happen. That was the thing. And so I think that's the thing is like, you, there's still some decent pass rushers out there. This is still a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, whether or not they're going to make them or not. They, who wouldn't want to play for them? Who wouldn't want to play for Kyle Shanahan, Robert Sala? Uh, there's some names. Um, <laughs> like who wouldn't want to play for these guys? And so that's the thing is, you know, bringing those guys is smart. And I think, you know, more veteran leadership. I mean, 
I worked in Seattle when Ziggy was there, and he is – I don't think he's the, the guy, but, but I hope maybe Shanahan and, and Chris Kosarek get something out of him. But, we'll, I mean, only time will tell. I, I don't think he's going to replace Nick Bosa. I don't think I don't think there's any player you could bring in to replace Nick Bosa. There's not, I don't think there's three players you could bring in to replace Nick Bosa. Other than his brother. Other than his brother, who is <laughs> – who has five years with the team with the with the Chargers? Who somehow almost beat Mahomes in the same exact way we almost beat Mahomes? It's wild. One of the good things about Ziggy is that he's worked with Chris Kasarik before, so because they already have that connection, his productivity should be good. He should jump right in and be able to produce and be a part of the defensive line and know the scheme well. So they do have that connection. It will help him kind of get right into the swing of things going forward. Yeah, exactly. And that's, the, that's, I mean, that's all we can hope as Niner fans is that Ziggy comes in and, and they just helps us demolish the Giants, which I don't think they need Ziggy to do it. But, you know, um, and then the Eagles, uh, their offensive line's terrible. They should demolish them as well. And then you start to get into the Rams and the Seahawks. And, and that's where it gets a little, <laughs> it gets a little scary. I mean, we'll see what happens there. If the defense can hold offenses at least to a, a minimum, they're not going to be as dominant as they were before. If they can rely on the run and just pound other teams throughout the season, if they can get Tevin Coleman back and Raheem Mostert back, and they, you know, Jarek McKinnon's been great, but if they can just pound the ball for the rest of the season and really focus on that, not force Jimmy Garoppolo into situations where he has to perform and throw and, you know, really, they can't, they don't have to put the game on his back. So if they can, be good in all phases of the game like that, they could be successful. And I, I still really want to see Jermichael Hasty because I, I think that he could be a potentially really good running back out there. And I think that's one thing about the Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman runs is you're going to get to see a little bit more Jeff Wilson and Jermichael Hasty, who there might be some potential there. You know, even if the injuries to continue, you're, you're, the depth at running back is crazy. I got to say, watching Jermichael Hasty at training camp, he is really good. He is small. He's shifty. He's a great route runner. And actually, I wanted to do a feature on him, and PR told me not to because they wanted to keep him off the radar and Smart. stash him. So I wanted to interview him, do a feature on him, have an exclusive. They're like, can you wait until we get through the 53-man? And I'm like, <sighs> All right, y'all owe me another. <laughs> y'all owe me well, some other exclusives. So. Well, he's going to yeah. play this week, so maybe start thinking about getting something out for the Niner fans before this game because I, I think he'll play against the New York Giants, and I think I think people will be impressed. I think you know anyone we've talked to about him has said that he has some talent, and I think that he's another you know guy who can back them up. Like that's the the biggest thing I want to make the point is there's someone behind everyone who can and has the potential for this team to continue winning. And Kyle Shanahan said that today. He's like, we're much better equipped this year to deal with injuries than we were two years ago. They do have depth. They have talent. I mean, when they have to cut down to the 53 now, there are guys that they want to keep that they don't want to cut or release, and they have to. You know, when they first got there, they didn't have it. They didn't have a problem doing that. When they went from 90 down to 53, they're like, all right, these are the guys. They knew exactly what they were going to do. And now it's a challenge for them, which says so much for the roster that they've built, the fact that people want to come play for them. You know, it's a, it's a great locker room. And you see guys like Emmanuel Sanders want to come in to the 49ers organization and doesn't matter. They'll, they'll spend a year, Trent Williams, they'll do a one-year contract or they'll, you know, because they would rather play with a positive team with a mind like Kyle Shanahan where guys get along and they want to have fun while they're doing it, that's the place to go. It's a destination team now, which it wasn't before. So, you know, that makes it more 
it gives them more depth. It makes it easier for them to fill those spots that have opened up from injury. And I mean, finally, you know, talking about the Emmanuel Sanders thing, do you think that they make a trade for like a bigger name before the end of the season? And what position do you think would be the biggest thing? Originally, a lot of people were thinking wide receiver after week one. Now it's starting to maybe look like they try and trade for a pass rusher. I don't really know if there's one to trade for. What do you think would a trade they could make before the deadline would be the biggest impact? I mean, I think the the positions that they were they needed to address were wide receiver and they have Sanu. Um, I don't think there's, I don't know if there's any potential tr- other trade possibilities yeah, with that. And then also maybe in the secondary, if Richard Sherman doesn't stay healthy, that's a position that they might need to f- look at because as much as Akella Witherspoon has shown his potential, he just isn't playing to it. You know, it's unfortunate that a guy has so much talent, but just, I don't know what it is, whether it's mental or what's going on with him, but he has shown he could be really good. But since he was injured last year and he's kind of come back, he hasn't reached his full potential. It's there somewhere. It's just, I don't know where it is. And he, you know, he's been given a chance, but, you know, he's got another one this week coming up with Richard Sherman out till week five. I'm, they're going to give him a chance, but that's a possibility. If he doesn't keep performing, you know, to yeah. their expectation, it could be a cornerback. Those are the two positions that I see that they could address. Of course, pass rusher as well, but I just don't know if there's any that are out there. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing as fans we can do is just stick with these guys through this all. This is going to be hard. I mean, it's not going to be easy. With many you lose Nick Bosa, yeah, it feels like maybe the Super Bowl isn't happening this year. But this is a season unlike any other. We've mentioned it a million times. Teams, Other teams are going to get injuries. We're not going to wish injuries on because we're not Seahawks fans. But the thing is, is we want to, we want to make sure that at any time we're classy, but at the same time being faithful – as the team, as the team, they call us the faithful. Be faithful to the team, and and I really think that there's still a potential for this this team to do what what we thought they could do three weeks ago. I think if there is any group that can do it, you look at what Kyle Shanahan did with the roster he had when they, you know, in that kind of mid range, they still were very close. He got to the Niners, and they had such a limited roster. And yes, their record was horrible. But there were so many games where they became where they were within one score of winning. So, you know, never say never. Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys that can scheme anything out of any player. So you've got that on your side, which is probably the most important part. If they want to find your stuff, Jennifer, and hopefully this Jamichael Hasty documentary or piece we're hearing about, where can they go? At Jennifer Lee Chan on Twitter and Instagram. I write for NBC Sports Bay Area. Okay. And she also asked, as I said last time, the best questions in the press conferences. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Niner Nate 49 on Twitter, and you can hear my unwilling positivity that apparently is annoying to Rob Guerrera. <laughs> and uh, it comes through on the tweets as well. Believe it or not, I can't stop. I, it's probably a problem at this point, but that's okay. No more injuries. The hype train keeps rolling, and we'll see you next time on the 415 Podcast. Go Niners. The New York Giants don't stand a chance.